Blog Talk Radio. Chapman Show. I am Hollis. I'm so excited to have our special guest here today. She's a small-time girl from where I'm at. So she's a friend from Plattsburgh, New York, so we're excited to have her here. Our guest is very talented. She's a pastry chef, has been for years, owned a few businesses in upstate New York. Uh, she also is a singer. Okay, I have one of her CDs. And I heard she's a singer from a band of Old Betty. Very cool. She's, I said again, she's a classmate of ours from Plattsburgh High School. Very, very proud to have her here. She's done a, uh, no, as a writer, she's done some amazing things. You know, and her last project, her new book out, was about a very, very emotional situation from um, a Czech Holocaust survivor out of Poland. Without further ado, let's welcome to the show our special guest, Ms. Julie Canapa. Hello, Julie. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate this. This is such a great story. You know, I was watching the video this morning and stuff. Very emotional, very passionate. I love that. Uh, Before we get going with anything, please tell people more about yourself and then your newest book. Sure. Well, um, humble beginnings. We're both from the same hometown in in New York (laughs) State, upstate New York, Plattsburgh, New York. Um, you know, went to college in Albany and then worked my way down to the city. And then for some reason, the pull of home started calling me. And um, here I find myself back in our hometown after all these years. Um, but that is, you know, crazily where opportunity found me. Um, that's where I met the subject of the documentary that I made and also um, the subject of the novel that I just recently wrote. Um, the missing star, I met Vladimir Monk, who is a Czech Holocaust survivor, and he is a resident of Plattsburgh. He and his family moved here in about 1970, and he was a um, professor of microbiology at SUNY Plattsburgh here. Um, I met him later in life when I was singing, and uh, my singing partner, Tim Hartnett, and I went over to where Vladimir was in assisted living, and sang for the seniors over there, and I met Vladimir, and uh, literally that that meeting, I think, I had no idea at the time, but it literally changed my life forever going forward. Yeah. You know, thanks. I was going to ask you that question, how this moment happened, so you kind of explained that, but you, you, you met him, and everything started to fall in place there, because it's so emotional. Watching the video this morning, it's so emotional going over there and visiting everything like that. How did you know then, or how did you thought then, how the vision then say, okay, let us do a little more. Let us show the world what it was like to be a prisoner in this. So how did, when did that start to fall in place for you, Julie? So, well, I, I gradually got to know Vladimir. Um, he would always invite my singing partner, Tim, and I back to his apartment where he lived in assisted living for a shot of his um, favorite uh, libation, which was Slivovitz, which is um, Czech plum brandy. 
And at a certain point, I started to have conversations with him on my own, and he was telling me, he began telling me some stories about his Holocaust experience, and his wife had passed away at the time, but they had met in a camp in, in uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. So he started telling me some of these stories, and they were stories that I had never heard before, um, stories of, of life under German occupation in Czechoslovakia, um, having you know their radios and their, their pets and their cameras and all their personal belongings confiscated. And I felt like there were some stories that really needed to be told, and I asked him if I could write his story for um, a regional publication, and he agreed. So we spent every Sunday afternoon together um, you know, having a glass of wine, talking, him telling me stories about his childhood and about his time in the camp. And, um, and I, I did publish a series of seven articles in a regional publication called The Sun. People really were gravitating towards his story. Um, that These installments for this series came out every two weeks, and people would see him in the grocery store, and they would say, we can't wait to, you know, read the next installment. And um, it kind of created a little bit of excitement, and I think he really enjoyed being able to tell his story also. Um, pardon me. So a friend of mine had produced a really great um, documentary, and I asked him to just shoot some footage of uh, Vladimir telling his story, and that turned into about a four-hour interview session. And then we just sat on that because we didn't really know what to do with it. We didn't have any funding, and we just um, kind of put the whole project on hold until Vladimir received a letter from an organization um, called the Auschwitz-Birkenau Memorial Foundation inviting him to the 95th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, where he had, had been um, held prisoner during World War II, during the Holocaust. So mm -hmm. at that point, they would pay for him and for a companion to travel to Poland for this, um, this celebrate, well, not a celebration, but this this um, commemoration and memorial uh, event. And he asked me to accompany him, and that's when I, I spoke to my friend Paul, and, and, um, and Paul said, now we have a story. You know, we've got to go with you, and we've got to follow him, and we've got to, we've got to tell this story about his return. This is really something. That's outstanding. You know, a small-town person, small-town person like ourselves, you know, when we don't see things like this in small-town Plattsburgh and stuff, what gave you the strength, other than talking with um, Valdemir, to sit there and go, to give you the confidence? Because, again, it, I, I know me growing up and certain things, my vision I wanted to do, oh, you're a small-town guy, you can't do this, you can't do this and this and this. How did you overcome that thought? How did you come that, overcome that backlash and sit there and say, wait a second? I can do this. I'm a, you know, I'm a singer. I'm a chef. I own businesses. I can do this. How do you overcome that? Give us some strength to help others from Plattsburgh, others in small town, to keep their vision going. Well, I I think one of the you know it's it's funny. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of that, but I think one of the most important things is to to you have to realize opportunities when they're presented to you. But sometimes there's all these little synchronicities that lead up to something, and I would never have known the moment that I met Vladimir, that we would go on this journey together, not only to tell his story in a newspaper, but to go to Auschwitz with him and make a documentary. Like those weren't really, um, they weren't goals that I felt that I couldn't realize because I didn't even have them as goals. But, but the path to that unfolded. And 
so each time those small opportunities were presented or those little windows or those little synchronicities, I think you just have to know to grab those because those are there for a reason. They're sort of guiding you. And it's, it's, it's telling you, yes, you can do this. You can follow this path. Um, that might be a little, you know, metaphysical for anybody, but I just feel like um, it unfolded and you have to accept that unfolding and, and just keep taking advantage of those opportunities as they open up and, and never tell yourself that you can't do something. I did know I couldn't produce the document. I, I did produce the documentary, but I couldn't film it. That wasn't in my skill set. And yeah. another thing you have to do when opportunities present themselves is surround yourself with people who do the things that you can't do and they do them really well. And so there's no competition at that point. You're just all working together toward a common goal. And this was one of the, now Paul Frederick, our director for the movie, for the film, Return to Auschwitz, this is the most impactful thing he's ever worked on. And it just came from, it started out as a simple conversation between the two of us. Hey, can you video, can you get some video of this elderly gentleman who was a Holocaust survivor? So you never know where those little little moments are going to lead you, and I think you just have to kind of follow the breadcrumbs. You know, we I was watching the video this morning, and it's again very impactful, very emotional stuff. Like that I want you to kind of to paint that picture for the viewers, so and for the listeners, so they can go and view the video because again, it's awesome. You know, talk about the the, the, the barracks where they stay, and maybe talk about some of the scenarios they had. You know, they they couldn't go to the bathroom until at night. They, you know, it's it's just an amazing emotional thing. Can you just give us a little tidbit to get people thinking, wow, about this? Okay, absolutely. And thank you. And I'm and I'm so glad that you had a chance to an opportunity to watch it. So we had no. There were a crew of three of us. I mean, I went as Vladimir's companion to. Yeah. Poland and to Auschwitz on that given day where we shot the documentary. We literally had five hours of access at the camp where we had to do everything. We basically had to make the film while we were there. We didn't know the setup of the camp. We, I think we were just in some ways kind of following our noses, but there were certain places that we knew we needed to be. Um, and as you mentioned, we, we were not in a barracks that Vladimir had actually been um, you know, incarcerated in, but we were walking past fields where he may have stood ankle deep in mud, freezing in January in Poland. Um, he had gone to the camp with his father. They had been deported there on a train together, um, a 30-hour ride from one camp to another. Um, they, they get out to the shouting of the guards and the barking of the dogs, and they don't even know where they are. They, they think they're in hell. And so when we're, we were at the camp and we're walking the grounds, we walked by a spot that very likely had been the spot where Vladimir was um, separated from his father at the camp. Um, so quite li- likely we're basically, st- I'm standing next to him, and he's, he's so close to the spot where um, it most likely was um, the infamous Dr. Mengele who told Vladimir to go to one direction and his father to go to the other, and he never saw his father again. So we're, every step we're taking at that camp is so impactful. Uh, Vladimir is very stoic, so you're not going to always see his emotional reactions on his face, but you'll also see mine because it just we were just, you know, it was groundbreaking. Every moment we were, every step we were taking was just, um, you know, kind of like 
part of a quite a, uh, an intense emotional journey. Um, like you said, we, we entered a barracks, and looking at the condition of the ones that were still standing, you would never believe that human beings had been um, housed in those buildings. They had dirt floors, and there were, you know, stone walls, and there was, you know, barely anything. They were just, they were, he remembered shivering in those bunks, um, yeah. you know, during the time that he was there. Um, and then just, I think one thing that we don't talk about it in the film, but it was something that we felt after we had completed our day of shooting at Auschwitz, we were all, it was a very dreary, overcast, um, it was a mud, the grounds were very muddy. The grounds of the camp were really muddy and the mud was a, an ashy gray color. And Mm -hmm. we had a wheelchair for Vladimir that he used on and off. And the wheels of the wheelchair were covered with this gray mud, and our boots and our shoes were all covered with it. And it really felt like we really felt like that was a moment where we knew we were walking on hallowed ground, where um, so many, you know, millions of people had passed there. And it just seemed symbolic of, in some way and very, very depressing. And we, we couldn't wait to leave there and wash that off. And um, it was just a, it was quite a moment for all of us. We were all kind of thinking the same thing. You know, as I was watching the video and I watched you get emotional, it got me emotional too. So yeah, it's amazing there. I'm so happy you told the story and telling the story and did this again. So proud of you, small town girl, small town friend <laughs> and doing some wonderful things. So I'm really proud of you for doing that. Um, before, uh, tell us what the title of your book is called, A Missing Star. Tell us the title of what that means and how did that all come about, Julie? Well, if I tell you exactly what it means, then no, no one will buy the book. <laughs> okay. A, all right. There's, there's I understand. A, well, no, there, nope. There's a, there's a story that unfolds. So just to, you know, kind of bring your listeners up to speed. So Vladimir was, he grew up in Czechoslovakia and he was sent to a camp that many people have never heard of before, and it was a it was a concentration camp and a ghetto in Czechoslovakia where they rounded up all of the Jews from that country. The Jew, so the Jewish population was consolidated into this old um, fortress called Terezin. And Vladimir met his wife Kitty. She was probably 15 years old, and he was maybe like 17, 18 at the time. And they promised to meet after the war. Um, they were separated when Vladimir was sent to Auschwitz. Kitty remained behind in Terezin. And um, after many more trials and tribulations, they did actually reunite after the war. They were married for over 60 years. Um, they moved to the United States. They had two sons and they have four grandchildren. And, and she passed away in 2015. But initially... The book was going to be, again, some more untold stories from Vladimir's life under German occupation, living in Europe. And as I got to hear more about Kitty and watch um, some videos of her telling her stories, I realized that she had some really unique experiences as well and that her story really needed to be told just as much as, as Vladimir's did and in as much detail. So the day that they meet, um, at the camp, there's a moment that transpires, which is the source of the title, The Missing Star. Um, but 
and and the the way the book is told is the first chapter is about Vladimir, then the second chapter is Kitty, and then they alternate back and forth, telling um, you know a given year what's happening with them right up until they meet in the camp, and then the epilogue is um, you know when they are there together um, after the war and they've they've married. Outstanding. Hey, Julie, this time, please tell us, where do we go after the show today to get your book and learn more about you? Where do we go? So, um, well, I have a website. It's smalltowngirlproduction.com. Also, the book, The Missing Star, is available on Amazon. It's available in paperback and hardcover, and there's also a Kindle version available. Um, Possibly after the new year, I will record a, an audio version of the book. Um, and the movie, Return to Auschwitz, The Survival of Vladimir Monk, is available on Amazon for streaming and purchase, and it's available on Apple. Um, so major streaming services, you can find the movie, Return to Auschwitz. So um, hopefully some of your listeners will check it out. Beautiful. And plus, we've got to give a shout-out to our little corner store that's been fair forever because this month is the Missing Star Month book. Outstanding, right? Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Our, our hometown um, bookstore, the Cornerstone Bookshop, which has been like a, a, a landmark here in Plattsburgh, um, has made the book the September pick of the month for their book club. And um, and I'll, I'll be joining them and for a discussion of the book, and I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, you see very a, lot of, active. a lot of community support. What's that? Yes, I said you're very active in what you're doing, moving this. So give us, give other authors tips because I got authors on here don't know what to kind of do, don't know how to move their books, don't know how to market their books. You're doing the right things. You're doing some awesome stuff to get the word up because you got great material. You got a great, you know, you got a great story to tell. How is Julie getting the word out? What are you doing to get people to say, hey, this is a good read? What are you doing, Julie? You know, there's a lot of really good resources online for when once you if you have self-published a book, um, how to get your book out. I haven't done any marketing of the book on Amazon, but I've been doing my own sort of personal version of marketing. And I know that when you're an author and you have written about something that's really close to your heart, what you really want to do is get the book in in the hands of real people. And you also want to be able to get feedback from them and you want to meet them in person. And so book signings are a perfect way to do that. So um, I'm fortunate, again, to have the cornerstone here in town, which is wonderful. I'll also be bringing the book to um, Vladimir's, um, his, uh, the Lake Forest retirement community where he lives and introducing it to the folks there. Uh, I have a few signings in Saranac Lake, and I'm I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep at it because I want to get the book into people's hands, and I want people to read it. I want people to um, relate and and hear Vladimir and Kitty's stories. You know, when one thing has made you do well in front of people, because I get I've got a lot of authors who are so shy. They'll sit and write a book. They write a thousand page book, no problem. But when it comes to sitting in front of people, they saying you know, girls and promoting and stuff, they get so shy. I think your singing, your your your, your businesses that you own, it's gonna help you beat out in front of people, correct? Is that true? It's absolutely true. And you know, I was never a singer. So um that was an, that was another that was another <laughs> shot in the dark that started years ago, and I remember um, meeting Tim Hartnett, 
uh, here in Plattsburgh, and he had been playing in bands and playing music for years. And I said, hey, you know, do you think I could do something with you sometime? And the first few times we went out and played a few tunes, I was terrified and I could barely sing. And it just, we we just kept getting out there. We kept getting gigs. And the more you do something, the, the more your comfort level increases. So that beginning terror that I had where my throat practically closed up and I was terrified to sing in front of people, I became something that I, I loved and, and did for over 10 years. And it was one of the most fun adventures ever. So, um, you know, practice, practice. That's really what that's about. There you go, listeners. Practice, practice. Don't be too shy. Because you know, I get a, I get a lot of authors who get so shy. I go, oh, well, if you can't get out there and talk about it, nobody's going to buy your book. And we want everybody to buy your book. Okay. Um, there were kind of more research. What was your research process like in bringing these characters alive? And I know you know Vladimir personally and stuff like that. What other research have you done to bring other characters to life, or was that it? No, there was there was so much research for this book. Vladimir has an amazing memory, and he has also done a really amazing job of creating a family tree, both for himself and for Kitty. So I, I had this framework of the families and, um, you know, some of the main characters in his life from his memory and the things that he told me. But putting this into the right historical context was it, it was a lot of work, but it was really great. Um, I love doing research, and I wanted to make sure that it was historically accurate. I didn't want people to read the book and ha- have gotten a time wrong of, of something that had happened in history. Um, I, I needed it to all flow, you know, with what was happening in their lives and what was happening with the war. So that, in the beginning, it took it was hours and hours, but I actually love doing that kind of work. And um, when you, if you pick up the book, when you see the bibliography, you'll see that it was it was extensive, not ex- not as extensive as many other historical fiction novels, but that was a, a major part of of the early work for this book was doing that research. Yeah, I know you're comfortable in front of the camera. I know you, you know you've done your documentary. You, you put stuff on film already. Have you thought about putting things on a Hulu? Or Netflix because I think it'd be a great story. A story needs to be told. You know, on Saturdays I really I watch a lot of old stories and history stuff like that. So very intriguing. Plus stage show I'm going to put it on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Have you thought about putting things on uh, those streaming channels? Is that something you think about doing? Well, we would have loved to have gotten something with Netflix, but there's a lot to. Um, getting in with those streaming services. So we worked with a distributor, and they were able to um, get us a streaming deal with Amazon and with Apple TV, uh, with Vudu and Vimeo and Google Play. So there are many different places where you can watch the film right now, and we're actually pretty proud of that, and hopefully people will just keep watching it. Very good. Yeah, the film was picked up broadcast for 300 PBS stations nationwide. That's cool. That is so good. Small town girl doing great things. I love that. <laughs> I really do. Okay. Thanks. So before we get down for the last couple of questions, please tell us again, where do we go after this show to learn more about you and get the great book? Where do we go? Sure. You can go to smalltowngirlproduction.com. 
Um, that's my website. Uh, you can actually directly purchase the book or get a link to purchase or stream the movie there. Also, the movie, as I mentioned, is available. It's Return to Auschwitz, The Survival of Vladimir Monk, and it's available to stream or purchase on Amazon. It can, you can stream it on Apple. It's available for purchase at Walmart. And the book right now is available on Amazon. It's called The Missing Star. Um, it's historical fiction. You'll find it on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and the Kindle version. So I hope, I hope some of your listeners go and check it out. Thanks. Do you plan on doing more writing, more books in the future for you? Or what's in the future for you when it comes to being an author? I Right now I would really like to continue to promote the book and also the movie as much as I can because I feel like uh, it's very important as far as Holocaust education is concerned. And I know that I have another book in me. I'm just not sure what the topic might be because I'm really firmly trying to get this project um, in front of people. That's my real priority right now. But, but somewhere down the line, I have a feeling I'll be, uh, I'll be typing away again and doing a lot of research. Beautiful. Have you approached Plattsburgh High School about putting the book in the library? So I have a wonderful friend who I'm not sure if you remember from um, Plattsburgh. Her name, she was my classmate, Sue LaPierre. She is a math teacher at Plattsburgh High School, and she has spoken to the library there, and they're going to have the book in the library. They're going to order the book and have it in the library there, and I'm thrilled about that. It's really exciting, and I, I thank her so much for helping me with that. That is great. That is great. All right, let me see. I'm trying to find their final comment here. Okay, final comment for you today. Again, we thank you for sharing today. We're so proud of you. And, again, being a small-town person myself, this is awesome. Uh, and, and closing, what do you want readers to get out of the book? What do you want them to stand say, wow, she did a nice job expressing and kind of sharing with us what, how bad the experience was in Poland? What would you want readers to get out of the book? I think that... The way that I told the story from uh, Vladimir and Kitty's childhood um, was it was a normal childhood growing up in Europe between the two world wars. And they were both from middle, middle class families. Their, their childhoods were very bucolic and very relatable. And when you see how their lives changed from children going about their daily lives, you know, fishing in the summer, going to school, and having fun with their friends, going to the movies um, in the, you know, in the years before the war, and then how their lives totally changed to under German occupation. I just, I really wanted people to see that their lives started out so normally, and there was no way they could ever have contemplated or ever even imagined um, the hardships and the loss that faced them when they were when they were initially growing up, and I think with the you know climate in this country, I just feel like this kind of um, education, as far as the Holocaust is concerned, it it would be very um, informative and eye-opening for people who read the book. I hope they love the characters; they're real flesh and blood people who I, I've fictionalized some of their um, you know, interactions, but um, they were real people who endured these hardships. Vladimir lost 
over 30 members of his family. And um, hopefully you, you see that the progression of their lives and how they were able to um, endure and survive and live really beautiful lives after all that hardship. I, it, it's a story of resilience and, um, and love. And I, I hope that, that people um, take that, have that takeaway from reading the book. Outstanding. Hey, before we go, I know I sent you an email, but you probably didn't understand it. We're putting together a author's cruise next year. So I want you to keep that in mind because I want you to be able to bring your books, Alaskan cruise. We have three or four. Wow. Yeah, we have some interviews on the, on the ship live, stuff like that. But have opportunities to share your books, sell your books, get more exposure for your books. So keep that in mind. Author's Cruise next year, it's going to be fun. So That sounds something. wonderful. Yeah. Um, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for what you're doing, bringing this great word out there. You have a great weekend. And my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hollis, thank you so much for having me on the show. And and I'm proud of you, too. Great, great small town connection. There you go. Thanks, Julie. Take care. Bye now. What a great story. You know, and when when you're working with other small town people, you get so proud. It's like it's so awesome to be able to see things they do and, and, you know, and move up the ladder and thinking that, hey, you know, in a small town, we don't hear about a lot of this stuff. We don't see a lot of this stuff. And all of a sudden, you, make, you see somebody who's doing some great things. You get so proud of that, okay? So please, the missing star, explore the exploration or inspiration behind the book and dive into captivating life. Monk. All right, great story, well written by Julie Canapa. Please check it out. Hey, guys, you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back here on Tuesday for our special guest, talk about his book. As always, let me close with some music. Thank you, everyone. And as always, I'll see you next time.